A few years ago, when, I, uh, when my son was in Little League, I invited his Little League co- coach to church, and he said, uh, I'm not going to go to your church. I would be hit by lightning before I walked into your church building. And I said, well, why do you think that? And he says, my life has been so bad that if I were to walk in the church, God would strike me by lightning, and, and I'm not good enough to even make up for my past. I said, well, Jesus is a friend of sinners. He welcomes you, so do I. I want to tell you another story about another person who was in our church. This was a longtime member, upstanding member of the community. And they said to me uh, one day, what's that person doing in our church? I don't want them here. Now, here's what happened. One of our preschool workers visited our church and invited her boyfriend to come with her. And if you saw him, you would think, this guy's a gang member. He had like a shaved head, had earrings, he had tattoos, wore a white t-shirt to church and kind of low-hanging pants. And a few weeks after he had been coming, this church member said, what's he doing in our church? He shouldn't be here. He scares me. So now we have our text this morning, and it speaks to both kinds of people. It speaks to the one who thinks, I have to get my life together before God will accept me. And it speaks to the person who thinks, you have to get your life together before I accept you. Here's the passage. It's from Mark chapter 2, verses 13 through 17. Once again, Jesus went out beside the lake. A large crowd came to him, and he began to teach them. As he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, Jesus told him, and Levi got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. And the teachers of the law, who were Pharisees, saw him eating with the sinners and tax collectors. They asked his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said to them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. So here's the scene. Jesus has been teaching to large crowds. He's walking along the road, and he comes across Levi in his toll booth. Uh, Levi collects tolls on the main road from Damascus to Palestine. That road passed through Capernaum. And in a way, we can think of him as the guy who works the highway scales, where trucks get weighed so they can be charged according to their payload, or maybe you think of him as the toll booth guy on I-35. But tax collectors and toll booth collectors were despised for two primary reasons. They were seen as collaborating with the Roman, em- uh, Roman uh, emperors, who were uh, occupiers. And when they charged their tolls or their taxes, they always charged you a little bit more so they could put the proceeds in their pockets. 
So suppose you're pulling your cart with a donkey. It's full of jars of wine. You come to uh, Levi's tax collector's booth. You need the road. It's a good road. The Romans have engineered it well. They patrol it. The tax collector, the toll booth guy, looks at your load and says, it'll be this much money. And you know he's charged too much. But you can't do anything about it because there are Roman soldiers at the toll booth who enforce the toll. And so, since you need the road, you pay the price the tax collector asks for, knowing it's too high, knowing he'll put some in his pocket, and that the soldiers are getting a bit of the action as well. And so you go on your way, hating the Romans and the tax collectors who work for them. This is Levi. He's hated and ostracized by his fellow Jews. But now Jesus, who's already a popular rabbi, walks by his booth and says, Levi, come and follow me. And Levi leaves it behind and follows Jesus. Shortly thereafter, Levi has a banquet at his home And he invites the only people who will associate with him, fellow tax collectors and other sinners, party animals, shady characters, people of ill repute and loose morals. Imagine if you saw me at a local bar, hobnobbing and joking it up with a group of shady people. Some of you would say, oh, I saw Pastor Stan at Club Rodeo. What was he doing there? (laughs) Now, our text in the Greek says that Jesus was reclining at table with them. So, Jewish people in those days had low-lying tables. You actually laid on the floor, perhaps uh, probably on a carpet, but you had a, a cushion or a pillow underneath you, and you ate with this hand, but while you're laying on the floor, there's other people laying right next to you and a person right behind you and you're laying right next to them. It's an intimate thing to be eating in those days with someone. Levi probably had a a home with an open courtyard. That's probably where they served their meal and people outside could see who was at the banquet. And the Pharisees see that Jesus is with these Sinners, and so they ask his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus Jesus overhears their question, and he says, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. So that's the passage. What do we do with it? Well, it can apply to us on several levels. First of all, Jesus associated with, accepted, and welcomed people who did not have it all together. He welcomed sinners. Now, he wasn't compromised or dragged down by hanging out with them. We might be, but he wasn't. But he genuinely loved them and welcomed them. And notice there was no prerequisite to them coming to Jesus. They did not have to get their act together before he accepted them. 
And this is true of those who do not know him and true of those who do know him. Because sometimes we think we have to get our act together before Jesus will love us or draw close to us or receive us. But this is not who Jesus is. The essential nature of God is love. Jesus came to display God's glorious grace, and grace embraces, loves, and treats people well, even if and when they don't deserve it. This is how all of us came to Jesus. We are his, not because we were good enough to be his. We are his, not because we merited his good graces. We do not maintain our standing with God based on our performance. We do not risk our standing as sons and daughters if we have a defect in character or if we commit some sin. No, we came to Jesus because he called sinners to himself knowing all there was to know about us, knowing all there ever would be to know about us, and yet he called us and welcomed us. So Jesus loves us and welcomes us. Do you believe it? That's the gospel. He welcomes you. He loves you. Let that sink in, and then rejoice in it. Be glad in it. Revel in it. And then extend that welcoming heart of Jesus to others. Do you ever come across people and you sneer at them or look down on them? or um, you're afraid of them, or feel uncomfortable with them, your initial reaction is to put up your defenses, to, to withdraw. Maybe they have spiked hair, maybe they have tattoos, maybe they have earplugs, maybe they're a different color, maybe they speak with an accent. When you feel that, can you speak to your heart and say, Jesus welcomed me. I will welcome you. Or maybe you know someone who does not know the Lord and they have a lifestyle that is nothing like yours and your first reaction is to speak ill about them. Can you instead speak to your heart and say, Jesus welcomed me. I will welcome you. Or maybe um, you see someone you haven't seen at church before. The welcoming heart of Jesus welcomes them. Now, let me share why I'm going to bring that up. You know, we've been searching for a missions pastor since the beginning of the year. We're real close to, to announcing them. But we brought 
We interviewed more, but we brought three people to Wichita, and they came to church on Sunday. And we told them, look at our church as a new person. You know, look at the building. How does it strike you? You know, what feeling does it emit? And, you know, you know tell us, you know, if you're welcomed or not. All three candidates and their wives said we were not welcomed by anyone in the 930 service. Said we even stood in the lobby with coffee cups, waiting to be greeted, and no one greeted us. Now, uh, Nancy and I had the same experience when we first came. So, you know, when they said that to him, I go, really? How many times do I have to talk about this? So I'm going to talk about it again. We want to have the welcoming heart of Jesus. And now you have loving hearts, but I want you to have a loving heart for the person you don't know first. And then the person you've been attending church with for the last 20 years, they'll still love you if you talk to someone else first. That's why we have the five-minute rule. And if someone who you know starts to talk to you after the service, just say, and then talk to the person uh, you know. You know, sometimes people say, well, Pastor Stan walked right by me and didn't say hi. You know why? I'm seeing a person standing in the lobby with a coffee cup and no one's talking to them. And I'm making a beeline towards them. So help me in this, right? We want to extend the welcoming heart of Jesus because we have one shot when someone visits our church. One shot. And that they have to feel loved and welcomed. Now, when the respectable Pharisees asked Jesus' disciples, why does he eat with sinners? Jesus replied, well, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. And I have come not to call the righteous, but sinners. So there's two ways that we can take it. One way is, well, I don't need a physician. There's nothing wrong with me. They may need a physician, but I don't. I'm righteous. In fact, um, God loves me and accepts me because I'm, I'm righteous. But uh, Scripture says there's no one righteous. No, not one. All of us have gone astray. All of us have gone our own way. And so if we look at our hearts honestly, we realize, no, I'm not righteous. I need a Savior. I need a physician who will heal me. Well, there's another way they could have taken that, and they could have said, wow, I'm a sinner too. I need to be saved. I need to be healed. And so, Jesus, I come to you with my sin-sick soul, and I ask you to heal me. Now, this healing is on multiple levels. One is the healing of forgiveness, where we pass from condemnation to being declared righteous. Where I believe, by faith, Jesus takes my sin 
and gives me his righteousness. And so there's no condemnation left for me. God accepts me as righteous. And another thing that healing does, it takes us from shame to acceptance. Shame is this. If they knew, I would be rejected. Acceptance is this. God knows, and yet he accepts me and loves me. Another way that Jesus heals is not only does he forgive us and give us a right standing, but then he starts to work on the power or the thing in our life that generates sin. We have a sin nature, but here's what our sin nature does. It causes us to look for true needs in sinful ways. So I'm going to talk about Levi the tax collector because he's, he's in the passage, but, you know, Levi was a cheat and a thief, and he lined his pockets with, with people's money. So what was Levi's sin? Well, he was dishonest, yes, but there was a deeper sin. It was greed. But there's a deeper sin than greed. It's the love of money. And there's a deeper idolatry than that. Some people are greedy because they're afraid that I won't have enough. So I have to get enough by dishonest means. Some people are greedy because they want security and they think money is security. Some people are greedy because they think this is what will make me acceptable. And so there's deep, real needs. But when we chase after them in sinful ways, that thing becomes an idol. Jesus meets our deepest needs with his promises and his presence. And so we legitimately want to be loved and known. We legitimately need security. We legitimately need to be accepted and comforted. Jesus meets these needs through his promises and his presence. And after meeting Jesus, people like Levi did not have to be greedy anymore. The people who were of bad morals and ill repute did not need to do their thing anymore. Jesus' love and acceptance gave them power over sin. And then there's another thing we need to be healed of, and that is self-righteousness. The self-righteous person never really appreciates God's grace because they think, I'm righteous. And so they don't love God much. They don't worship with much passion because, well, I haven't really needed God's grace. And because they have not drunk deeply of grace, they don't really show grace to others. In fact, they think, I'm so good 
that I'm going to heaven because I'm a good person. And if they think that, then they are being their own savior. And if you think you can save yourself and you don't need Jesus to save you, and so you don't call out to Jesus, then Jesus lets you save yourself. He lets you atone for your own sins. And who wants to atone for their own sins? I want grace. I want mercy. I need Jesus. Jesus tells us, I'm the physician who heals. I can heal the sin-sick soul. Come to me and be healed. Remember that little league coach I told you about? He came to church with his family and he did not get hit by lightning. He came again. He came again. And finally, he received the message of forgiveness. He received Christ. And he basked in God's grace. And that guy who looked like a gangbanger, he wasn't. But the first time he came to church, I I welcomed him and greeted him. I asked him what he did for a living. He said, I'm a custodian for the school district, but I'm on disability now because I've hurt my back. And uh, I asked, well, can I pray for your back? He said, hmm, okay. And so uh, I prayed for his back, and after I prayed, he said, sincerely, thank you. Well, he came back the next week, and he said, hey, my back's feeling better. Since you're such a good prayer, can you pray for my uncle who has cancer? And so I prayed for his uncle who had cancer. And he started to come to church, and he'd sit in the very back row, But eventually, he heard the message of forgiveness, and he gave his life to Christ. A year later, he joined the church, and if you go to that church today, he's a deacon, totally different. And Levi, the tax collector, he got a nickname. His nickname was Matan Yahu. It means Yahweh's gift. We know it as Matthew. He received Yahweh's gift, and he was never the same. Jesus says, I'm the physician who heals. Come to me. Come. I'll welcome you. And I will heal your sin-sick soul. Let us pray. Lord, I, I pray for those this morning who do not know you. And I pray that they would hear the message of welcome and invitation and forgiveness. Would you draw them, Lord? Bring them to yourself? Just give them a sense of them being washed clean?
I pray for those this morning, Lord, who are keeping their distance from you because they think, my sin keeps me from God. I pray that they would see the welcoming heart of Jesus. You welcomed them when they did not know you. You welcome them now. Let us run to you, Lord Jesus, in the hour of our weakness. Lord, if we are self-righteous, we confess that. If we're judgmental, we don't want to be any longer. Lord, we repent of that, and we want to be mindful that you're gracious and welcoming. And Lord, for anything else in our soul that is not well, maybe we're depressed or anxious or fearful. Oh Lord, would you heal us? Give us a promise. Visit us with your presence. Lord Jesus, we come. We come to you. We come to you to be healed. In your name we pray. Amen. Lord, we want to be like Levi, who ended up loving you more than his money. And generosity declares who and what we love. And so we choose to be generous because we love you and we love your gospel. Bless our gifts, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.